Jeannie Flavelle's Hot Commodity Podcast Series. Empowering clients with commercial intelligence, supply chain expertise, and risk management solutions. Good afternoon, everybody. My name is Mike Coughlin, President and CEO of McKinney Flavelle, and today is April 11th. 2023. It's a special day on many, many fronts. Uh, number one, it is Craig Ruffalo's birthday. Hello, Craig. Welcome to the podcast. <laughs> Thank you very much. You're working hard that. on your birthday. That's we, right. We appreciate you here. Hey, the markets don't stop for anyone other, they, than, they other don't. than a few national holidays, and this doesn't happen to be one, unfortunately. Absolutely. And the other thing that's happening, Craig, which uh, you know, truly dedicated to this industry, is the WASDI report came out, and you are very excited to talk about it on your birthday. That's right. Absolutely. I can't wait. I mean, I'm you're excited. Right now. You're excited. And we also have Kevin Combs, Vice President of Bikini Flavelle. Hello, Kevin. Hello, Michael. You're here. And it's uh, what, I'm what here. You... It's Wake Up and Scarf Donuts. Everybody. There you go. I had to bring it up, you know. And, and I am super happy that my birthday is on the 23rd, not on a 8th through the 12th when it could be last year. There you yeah, go. There I you mean, go. I think they just saved this up just for me. Guys. <laughs> they did. Uh, you know, hey, you, you don't have anything else do, going on today. Why don't we just put out some yeah. n- numbers? But you know what we do have going on on April 26th? It's our spring market outlook That's right. in, in Oakbrook, Illinois. And those interested in attending live or virtually, you can go to our website at mckinney-flavelle.com. Spaces are limited. It's getting near the time. We're, we're almost there. I know. We're and it's going to be such a great event. I, I am excited. This year's theme is uh, kind of like the Oscars. Uh-huh. Uh, I think you guys will find it purely entertaining and also very educational. Very educational. Best one day voted best one day seminar in the industry I agree. by me. And me. So. It's unanimous. <laughs> it's, yeah, it is. Well, let's go ahead and get started uh, and talk about what happened on the WASD today. And uh, Kevin, do you do you want to start on sugar and then we can move over to grains with Craig? Yeah, I'd be happy to start with sugar. And as usual for an April WASD, it's really not that exciting of uh, a month for WASD. I mean, mm. you're starting to talk about new crop instead of old crop. So this is really just finalizing uh, numbers for the most part for what's taking place. And with sugar, it really comes down to what the USDAs are doing, what type of adjustments they're going to need to make for the uh, 22 crop because 2023 doesn't start mm-hmm. till next month. Mm-hmm. So to that you know, when you look at production, there was really just some minor adjustments. Beet sugar was down 10,000 tons. Cane production was up 6,000 tons. But when you get into the management of the program, you know, we just recently had the USDA reallocate the shortfall to the TRQ. They were showing it at 255,000 tons. So they're very aggressive. However, despite all that aggression and reallocating, I can't remember, 224,000 tons, they still are showing a shortfall of 132,000 tons. So um, they don't expect a lot of that reallocated sugar to make it in this uh, crop year. So again, it was a nice taking into all the adjustments. They did increase the TRQ, 112,000 tons. Imports, however, were up 181,000 tons because we got to that high tier tariff and apparently there was a big cargo uh, raw sugar going into a cane refiner under tier two. And uh, so they bumped that up 69,000 tons. So we're up to 225,000 tons. And 
What that number start out with, Craig? You remember? Seventy-five thousand tons yeah. when wow. they set the initial number, which we were all scratching our heads, going, "Okay, we're seeing over two hundred thousand tons since 2019-20, and uh, yeah. all of a sudden we're going to have this seventy-five thousand tons." Right? Not not real. I mean, we all kind of figured that that was going to have to be bumped up over time, and the number sixteen market, as it elevated, kind of signaled that that was going to happen. Yeah, we, I mean, we got tight market. You listen to the people in the organic trade, and they talk about the organic volume is over two hundred thousand tons. So just purely just because of how low they set the organic number, we know they need a big number. So anyway, we're up to two twenty five and uh, climbing. I think that's probably a reasonable number when you look at the last several years. So hopefully that gets it down. And then demand wise. No changes. USDA is still showing that 1% growth figure at 12.6 million tons for food use. Don't have any updated data from the SMD report to see if there's any real changes or any surprises coming on the demand front. I'm sure that number will be out and posted soon and we'll take a look at it. But uh, in my eyes, that's still probably a little strong after 2.5% growth last year. But when you looked at the first few months of the year, it was tracking to that type of level. So uh, we'll see. So all, all in all, that brought our stocks to use ratio up to a 14.9%. Uh, Pretty darn healthy. Yeah, I would say that should signal that you've got enough product available, theoretically, at least on paper. It looks like on paper it's a good level, but all the markets are obviously indicating <laughs> quite the contrary. Quite so, the contrary. Uh, we'll have to see how this all shakes out. Again, it could be just raw sugar available, and we all know the number 16 market's very liquid, and right now it just wants to follow the number 11 market. Yeah. And obviously that with uh, less sugar uh, produced in India, more diversion of cane to ethanol, lower U.S. dollar value, and uh, higher energy markets, and the number 11 just wants wow. to uh, yeah. keep going up, up yeah. over 24 cents today. Did not. Uh, I don't think anybody would have predicted that, Kevin. Expect to think, see that. Yeah, I don't think anybody out there that, that was talking about, even the bullish scenario was up in the 24 cent range for, for raw sugar level. Yeah, yeah you just look at inventory levels, you look at supply demand balance, you know, we're not talking about a big deficit in production. It's certainly not totally fundamental driven. So we'll see if it holds long. Yeah. Usually these spikes, when we get up toward 25 cents or so, they're pretty short lived. But uh, it's hard to see anything coming in the nearby months to change that soon. Yeah, I think, I, you know, it I, could I, stick I, around strong for several months. Could be a little sticky on that side. You're right. Yeah. I agree with that. And then sugar-wise, the only thing else I looked that caught my attention was USDA reverse course on Mexico. Right. What? Again. What? I mean, they do that? not a bullish. They got optimistic approach, by 75,000 right? ton increase. And, and when you look at the yields on their weekly production, they still are coming in abysmal. I mean, we're talking nearly 14 uh, metric tons per hectare lower versus uh, last year. And even versus their crop uh, estimate from Mexico, from Cana de Suca we're down around five. So wow. I'm sitting there looking at those numbers and going, is production going to reach 5.3 million tons? Wow. And again, Mexico comes up with this huge 828,000 hectares harvested estimate, which is way over their record. And 
Typically, I think Mexico always overestimates that. I don't think it's going to come close to that. I used 810,000 hectares to get to 5.3 million tons. So it'll be interesting to see. But just calls into play, you know, with what happens if Mexico does get 5.3 million tons, uh, something's got to give either their domestic uh, consumption, which is their highest price. They're going to meet that. U.S. quota, which is probably mostly sold and they definitely want to commit or sugar for IMEX. And uh, obviously the other, there's one other solution and that's they import sugar. Yeah. Oof. There's a little bit of that that goes on anyway, right? Yeah. A little bit of that legal, illegal, who knows what. But yeah, something's going to be interesting. Well, that, that would certainly uh, uh, create some uh, conversation if that started happening. No question yeah. about it. No anyway. question about it. Anything else on sugar, Kevin? That's all on sugar. Let's yeah. uh, talk about the uh, lack of information that's new on grains. <laughs> grains, well, all you, birthday yeah, boy. I'll tell you what, I, I, I coined it a yawn. Okay. Uh, for today, as far as the grains market, the complex itself, whether you're talking wheat, corn, or soy, uh, wasn't a lot to do with anything new. Uh, and there's a rhyme for you, a little limerick. Uh, <laughs> global wheat, we saw a little bit of a reduction in, in total ending stocks carry out. It was primarily due to some reductions in India uh, on their production and a, a little additional exports out of Ukraine that were unforeseen. So they're lowering their, their ending stocks projections. And that's the truth of the wheat market as far as global situation. The U.S., we had a little bit of a change of the balance sheet. It actually upped ending stocks, 30 million bushels, uh, due to some reductions in demand cycle. Um, we'll see how things are progressing. You know, Eric does talk a lot about the weather. And, and you know, we have some dry spots in Kansas still. And so we're going to still worry about the winter wheat crop. That's not going to be any improvement as far as total availability here. But uh, again, if you see a little bit less demand, at least on the balance sheet, it shows that wheat's got a little bit of a, uh, of an uptick in ending stocks in the, in the market today on Chicago. Uh, wheat certainly reflected that down about five, six cents a bushel. On the soy complex, globally, again, it's all about Argentina. We all have talked about it, probably now going on about the sixth or seventh month in a row, drought, drought, drought. Lower production, lower production, and that'll be the same situation for corn. But it's the main reason that we've seen the soybean globally have some reduction. I think that Brazil offsets that to a degree. Uh, and then the other thing is the Chinese have been a little more active in, in importing some soybeans from, from Brazil, which I think is assisted in probably shifting whose ownership of the inventory. But generally speaking, you're seeing just kind of a flat line. And U.S. soy complex, the United States Department of Agriculture, who is supposed to have all of the insights, said zero change in all three. No mm. change to any of the supply-demand balance sheet for the 22-23 crop year over the March estimates that were published. So no changes. It was probably a signal to the market of, of hey, we're all now anticipating what the actual planted acres will be, and we're going to start focusing our ideas on the 23-24 crop. I think everything is, as far as the soy complex has already been made for this crop year. It's not something that the market's really paying much attention to. Shifting to corn, uh, globally, we're seeing a slight reduction again in your ending carryout, predominantly again because of the Argentinian dry situation. We saw a little reduction in the EU uh, we've seen a little increase in exports, again, out of the Ukraine and Russia, 
predominantly, again, it's just, I think they have the opportunity at higher prices to try to get some exports out in the nearby term before any of these uh, sanctions will be uh, on the exports. Ukraine will be looked at once again. Will they extend that or not? I don't know the answer to that, but I think that's why you saw a little more aggression in the Ukrainians' export figures. U.S., a little reduction in, in imports, a little reduction in food seed and industrial demand ends up with a no net change to ending stocks. The one interesting comment, though, is USDA's reasons for reduction in food seed and industrial was a lowering of the total bushels allocated to the production of glucose and dextrose and wet milk products. Well, I don't know about you guys, but I don't see why we would be seeing a reduction in demand when they just got a price increase and we've seen this uh, tightness and overall availability of these products commercially. That kind of bothers me. I think that's kind of a catch-all that they probably didn't know what to do and they didn't have yet enough understanding of whether we'd see a reduction in feed demand, so they put it there. I think they got tired of reducing <laughs> ethanol. This is what I think they got tired it's, of. It's really curious. I mean, you look at how strong demand came back last right. year. And then to come back this year and say it's less, and they still show strong growth for sugar. Maybe some dextrose got moved to sugar. I mean, but that's not right. a huge volume. So I can't imagine that's going to impact the overall demand for corn of 10 million bushels for an industry that has already been showing that it's got tightness and availability for finished goods. That's just that that's a curiosity question that I don't I don't even know if they could answer that for us. But Generally speaking, the market is watching for planning intentions. We, you know, Kevin is uh, going to talk to you guys about sugar over the next few months on plantings on beet. And of course, the Red River Valley is still under snow. Uh, so we are going to expect flooding. We'll see some planting delays for beets uh, in that region. Well, that's the same for corn and beans in that region. Uh, I did talk to some folks in Decatur yesterday. They said that the, the tractors were out. Uh, a lot of farmers were out doing some field work. So in the middle of Illinois, in southern Illinois, the farmers are out there. It was 72 degrees in Decatur yesterday, so that's a good thing. There's your little weather report. So we'll see some, we'll see some opportunities for farmers to get into the fields in areas other than North Dakota and Minnesota. Because <laughs> they're going to be they're going to be building snowmen for a while. Well, but they're getting right. some warm temperatures. So yeah, those, 70 those degrees. Snowmen are turning to ice quick. Enough. Yeah. Well, you know, it's <laughs> the days be... are warm. The snow melts. Freeze back up and certainly the flooding is going to be the next thing that we'll talk about. That'll be the next commentary as far as that region of the country. But that's what that kind of gets you to where we are with the grains complex. Excellent. Thank you, Kevin. Thank you, Craig. Great recap as always. We're going to wrap this one up before we let you go. Reminder for our spring market seminar on uh, April 26th in Oak Brook, Illinois. You can register at bikini-fildel.com. As I always like to say, live with an attitude of gratitude. Enjoy every minute moment with your friends and family. And uh, if you have Craig's email, send him an email right today and wish him a happy birthday. Happy birthday, Craig. Thank you, guys. Appreciate it. Take care, everyone. Bye now. That concludes this podcast episode. For expanded commentary and more detailed information, log on to McKinney Favelle's IQ Ingredient Intelligence platform and listen to our Market Insights podcast. If you're not a subscriber, visit bikini-favelle.com for more information. And as always, follow us on YouTube, LinkedIn, Facebook, and Twitter.